Hey folks, Andy Patton here, ready to discuss a few names the Zags have reportedly reached out to on the transfer portal, including a West Coast big man who is arguably a perfect fit for what this team needs. We're also going to discuss a recruit the Zags made an offer to in the 2022 recruiting class, the rumored new coach at the University of San Diego, and a preview of Gonzaga's weekend series against the University of San Francisco for the baseball team, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and notes from all things Gonzaga Athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I also want to thank all of you who make Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Of course, those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube as well, we are over our goal of 500 subscribers, which is wonderful. We're going to keep climbing, keep going, trying to get into four digits with a thousand subscribers before the start of the college basketball season. I know it's tough without Gonzaga basketball going on, but I appreciate those of you who have continued to listen and those of you who have hit that subscribe button already. All right, today's episode is kind of a combination of multiple things, mostly talking about the players Gonzaga has been connected to in the transfer portal, what their fit might conceivably look like on this roster. We're also going to talk about a coaching change in the conference and discuss the baseball team, but I want to start talking about the player that I have talked about a handful of times on Twitter already. I wrote an article about him at the Zagaholic.net website. If you have not checked that out, we are talking all things Dawes Amac, the big man from Utah Valley University. He is in the transfer portal. As soon as he put his name in there, he drew a ton of attention. The man is also considering a professional route, and there is a reasonable expectation that he would maybe drop into the second round somewhere in there or at least get signed to a contract, potentially a two-way deal or a G League, or certainly a professional career overseas. So he is not necessarily tied to staying at the collegiate level. But of course, as we know, uh, unfortunately for schools like Utah Valley, going to a bigger program and having success there is much more likely to lead to an NBA career. And AMAC had such a remarkable season at Utah Valley last year. He averaged just under 19 points per game. He averaged 13.6 rebounds per game. So we're talking about a guy who basically night in and night out was putting up 20 and 15 He averaged about a block and a half per game as well. The big kicker for all that, he's a great scorer. He's a great rebounder. He's a good defensive player. He's a good, not elite, but good shot blocker. All of that is fantastic. That's a great start. But beyond that, he is also a 44% three-point shooter. Now, he didn't take a ton of threes, about one and a half per game last year. So he's not, you know, this isn't Corey Kispert coming in and, and shooting 45% while shooting five, six threes per game or whatever it was that he did. This is a guy who maybe takes one or two per game, maybe three in Gonzaga's offense, depending how they would utilize him. But he's a guy who can knock them down at a very high rate. 
If he reminds you of somebody, there are some similarities to, of course, Gonzaga's most recent loss on the front court, which is Chet Holmgren. He's not as skilled offensively as Chet Holmgren. He's certainly not as good of a rim protector as Chet Holmgren. And again, those are not knocks on AMAC more than they are compliments to the unicorn himself, Chet Holmgren, who is very, very, very unique uh, and impossible to completely replace with one player. But AMAC does bring that outside shooting. He does bring that elite rebounding. He does bring good low post scoring, and he would bring decent shot blocking as well. He, he's not, I mean, Gonzaga doesn't have a real rim protector on the roster right now. He, if Drew Timmy returns, he's adequate, but he's not a shot blocker. He's more of just a big body who's got good enough footwork to stay in front of people, but he's never been a particularly good defensive player. The expectation and the hope is that Caden Perry develops into a very good defensive player and rim protector on that end, but he missed the vast majority of his freshman year, and it is difficult at this point to count more on him in that role as a sophomore. Maybe he steps up and does it. I have very little doubt that he's capable of doing it, but missing most of your first year is definitely something that's going to impact him as a sophomore. So getting a guy who can come in, who can contribute right away, uh, who can score, who can rebound, who can block shots, uh, who can shoot threes is would be massive. Now, for the record, this is far, far, far from a foregone conclusion. In fact, AMAC, when he first entered the portal, like I said, I wrote about him at Zagaholic. I was hearing at the time that he was pretty interested in coming to Gonzaga. There was mutual interest on both sides. And then he list, he, he somehow revealed through whether it was him or somebody who's close to him, revealed a list of schools that he was interested in and Gonzaga was not on the list. So at the time, there was some speculation. Maybe this means Drew Timmy's coming back. Maybe he just lost it, you know, whatever it could be. Now we see another list that comes out from Jeff Borzello that says here are the schools he's focusing on. It's a long list. Gonzaga was on it. So was Kentucky, Texas Tech, Washington, Houston, Arkansas, Iowa, Arizona, and Texas. So he's focusing on still a pretty big chunk of schools. So this thing is not necessarily over. It does not mean that he is coming to Gonzaga. Certainly it's pretty eye-popping to see schools like Kentucky and Arizona and Texas Tech and Houston all top five seeds in the NCAA tournament this past year. Iowa, Texas, very good programs as well. So, and Arkansas, who has seemed to be a thorn in Gonzaga's side for the last couple of weeks, uh, something that, that certainly would be even worse were AMAC to go there instead of coming to Gonzaga. But I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot that makes sense here. Now, somebody speculated on Twitter that uh, just like we speculated when AMAC didn't list Gonzaga, that, oh, that might mean Drew Timmy's coming back. Now that AMAC has listed Gonzaga again, does that mean that, you know, the staff or somebody has an inkling that Drew Timmy's leaving? Maybe. I, I don't I, I wouldn't read too far into that necessarily, but certainly if AMAC were to sign with Gonzaga tomorrow and immediately be like, Yep, I'm going to Gonzaga, I'm in, I would I would probably take that to, as a sign that at least if not Drew Timmy's leaving, it means that somebody else is probably planning to go because right now, even if, if you assume Drew Timmy's coming back, which is far from a foregone conclusion, but if you make that assumption you have Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, Caden Perry, Ben Gregg, and Braden Huff, that's five guys in the front court. You could understand why a player like AMAC wouldn't necessarily want to come into that mix, but if they know Drew's going to be leaving, they're looking for a starting five, a guy who can come in, play the center role right away, take over, play 30-something minutes per night, then yeah, I think there's definitely a reason for AMAC to choose this as his program going forward. I think there's a lot of schools on this list that make a lot of sense for him, so I wouldn't say it's a conclusion, but uh, Gonzaga is a program that proved they can utilize players like this extremely well, and I think he would be an outstanding fit were this the decision that he made. A couple more guys I want to talk about here in the first segment before we move on. Morehead State 
transfer portal big man Johnny Broom heard from the Zags. Now, I want to be clear here. There's a lot of programs that have heard from the Zags, or a lot of players, excuse me, that have heard from the Zags. This Take this with a significant grain of salt. It, it, it's not wrong. I don't think that it is a lie. But these things are often coming out from like AAU coaches or from the, you know, the player themselves or the player's representative if they, you know, they don't have agents, but they have friends or family or whatever it may be. Uh, and so they're going to try to make themselves look as good as possible. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Gonzaga is hyper interested in this player. It just means that they have reached out. That is the only thing that it means. Now, Johnny Broom would be a very nice fit for most of the same reasons that AMAC would be a nice fit. With one exception, Broom is not an outside shooter. Like, it's not that he's a bad outside shooter. He's just not an outside shooter. He doesn't take outside shots. So if he were on this roster, I don't think Gonzaga would utilize him the way that they utilize Chet Holmgren. The way, you know, the high-low offense, he would be the low man most of the time because he doesn't have an outside shot. He's not a threat to shoot from out there. But he's a six foot 10 235-pound big man who averaged 17 points, 10.5 rebounds, and four blocks per game. Again, this was at Moorhead State, so some of those numbers probably wouldn't last even in the WCC. But again, four blocks per game. And we're talking about an elite-level rim protector, a great rebounder, an efficient, highly efficient low-post score. This is another player who would be a nice fit. Now, the list of schools that have heard that Johnny Broom says he has heard from is huge. It's It takes up most of my screen that I'm looking at right now, so I'm not going to read all of them out to you. A lot of the same culprits that we've seen in the past. Arkansas is on this list again. So is Auburn. So is Texas Tech. So is Houston. So again, a lot of the same schools are kind of looking at the same guys here. I'm not surprised Gonzaga is in on this one. Again, I don't know the level of interest on either side, but it makes some sense, particularly if they have a feeling that Drew Timmy is going to be out the door to go find a big man who can score efficiently in the post. And then the final player that has heard from the Zags, a bit of a transition away from talking about the big man. This is a six foot one point guard from Ohio in the Missouri Athletic Conference. That is Mark Sears. Mark Sears has heard from the Zags, the list of teams that is also listed alongside Sears having heard from. Uh, is Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas, Creighton. It goes on and on. Florida, St. Mary's is in the conversation here. USC is in the conversation here. So there is a lot of schools interested in Mark Sears. He averaged just under 20 points per game last year. So again, you can understand why there'd be some interest in a point guard even at that level who's averaging 20 per game. He averaged six rebounds, 4.1 assists. And then the big kicker, the thing that I have mentioned multiple times, if Gonzaga is going to bring in a guard, and frankly, if we're assuming Andrew Nembhard and Ros Bolton are leaving, they need to bring in a guard. That doesn't mean they need to bring in an elite high-level starter. They have Dominic Harris returning from injury. They have Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas presumably stepping into starting roles. They just need a fourth guard, and what they need is a shooter. They don't have a lot of dead-eye outside shooting. They're losing Chet Holmgren. They're losing Roz Bolton, who shot 46% last year. They need a dead-eye shooter. Dominic Harris can probably be that guy, but it doesn't hurt to find another guy who can really knock him down. And Sears was a 41% three-point shooter for Ohio last year. He can come in. He can play a reserve role. He can challenge for a starting role. I mean, hell, if he comes in and plays really, really well, there's a chance that he... He can he could start for this team. He's a very, very talented player. But I think the expectation would be he would come in, play a significant role off the bench, be a dead-eye shooter, kind of have that, that role on this team. Now, does he want to do that? I have no idea. If he doesn't, 
he can go somewhere else. There are plenty of places USC would start him in a second uh, because they have very, very, they've struggled to to develop guards under coach Andy Enfield. And I think that Mark Sears would be a great fit over there. Uh, he'd be a great fit at St. Mary's with Tommy Cousy leaving. Like there's a lot of programs where he would come in and start. Gonzaga, I think he would challenge for a starting role, but he may not want to go to a place where he's not guaranteed a starting spot, which is totally understandable and reasonable. So we will see what happens with Sears. We'll see what happens with Broom. I'm very closely following the AMAC situation uh, because I think it says a lot about, obviously, what this roster is going to look like next year, but also what kind of players the Zags are currently targeting, which I feel so far that it makes a lot of sense which players we've seen the Zags be interested in based on what we perceive to be their needs next year. All right, second segment coming up. We are going to talk about a huge 2022 recruit the Zags recently made an offer to, what he would do for this team. We're also going to look at the newest coach in the WCC. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what the hype was about. Now I've been on it for about four weeks, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of like mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. There is so much to love about Athletic Greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're invested in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and has been recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking about potential changes to this Gonzaga roster heading into 22-23 season. I want to talk now about Leonard Miller. The Zags have been, had some, not, haven't had a lot of success on the 2022 recruiting trail so far. It's kind of a tough year for the Zags. You know, we, we've gotten so accustomed to seeing these really high-level recruiting classes with, of course, the Tricky Trio and Jalen Suggs, Dominic Harris, Julian Strother from two years ago. Of course, last year, Chet Holmgren, Nolan Hickman, and Hunter Salas, an elite-level class there. We didn't even talk about Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, who are big pieces as well. So the 20, 22 class hasn't developed. We have Braden Huff, who's going to be a big piece. I'm excited to get more into him as the offseason goes on. I think he's not be most of the conversation around Gonzaga's 22 class has been how not good it is. And I think that's a little unfair to Braden Huff, who is very good. He's just the only member of the class up to this point. So it's hard for the class to be rated all that high when they only have one player. But again, this roster, so many players could, can, could opt to come back. 
if Strother comes back, if Timmy comes back, if we assume that Salas and Hickman come back, there's just not a ton of room for a bunch of recruits to come in and play right away, which is why we haven't seen a lot of those high-level guys opt to come to Gonzaga. But they have a chance to rectify that five-star player in the class of 2022, Leonard Miller. He listed the Zags in his top eight. Now, this was before Gonzaga had offered him which has happened before. We've seen other programs have done this. We've seen it with Gonzaga before. Ben Gregg was in particular was a player who was basically just waiting for Gonzaga to make him an offer. As soon as they did, he said, hey, the Zags are in my top six. I'm going to announce on this day. A week later, he announced he was going to Gonzaga. Now, for those of you who follow Ben or his father, Matt Gregg, on Twitter, you know that he's been going to Gonzaga games since he was like five years old. He has family in Spokane, so he was always set on going to Gonzaga. Does not necessarily mean that Leonard Miller is in the same spot, but I do think that it is definitely eyebrow-raising that he listed Gonzaga before he got an offer, and then since then he has gotten an offer. Uh, There was likely, not likely, there was 100% a conversation that happened between Miller and the coaching staff after he announced, hey, Gonzaga's on my top eight, and before he got his scholarship offer. So, there's some. There's got to be some interest here on both sides, and obviously, it doesn't mean that he's that it's a done deal that we should just pencil him in. But he's there on the list, and the list is a pretty intense one: Kentucky, Auburn, Oklahoma State, Alabama, Kansas, Providence, TCU, and two pro options: the Overtime Elite team and the G League. So he's got a lot of really, really appealing options in front of him. Now, twenty four twenty four seven Sports has not ranked. Miller, he is a Canadian prospect. That is, I assume, why he is not ranked in their 2022 rankings. On three, which is where Tipton edits, Joe Tipton, who is the one who revealed that Miller got an offer from the Zags, uh, on three has him 11th. That is really high. Really, really high. He is a six foot nine, 195 pound power forward. So he is long. He is skinny. He's a hyper athlete. Some places list him as a small forward. Some places list him as a power forward. I'd be very curious whether he can play the wing position at six nine in the WCC. He's probably going to play some four. Uh, were he to come to Gonzaga, maybe at some of the other programs, he would play more of a three four hybrid role. But this is a very very interesting interesting player. I don't have a ton more data on him because there's not a ton of data out there. I will say that in addition to Miller obviously having interest in Gonzaga, which is notable, the Zags have had a lot of success recruiting in Canada. A lot of success across the border. Obviously, you know, you have your Kevin Pangos, your Kelly Olynyk, your Mangisu Arap, you have Rob Sacre. There's a lot of players who have come directly from Canada. You also have, you know, a player like Andrew Nemphard, who is Canadian, who considered Gonzaga out of high school, obviously opted to go to Florida and then came back to Gonzaga. So we see Kyle Wilcher is also Canadian. Uh, obviously, he went he went to high school in Oregon, but he's, he's Canadian, went to a different school, then came back to Gonzaga. So definitely a lot of appeal for uh, Canadian basketball players to come to Gonzaga. They've had a lot of success coming to this program in the past. So that is a connection that Miller has. Uh, this He's not the type of athlete they get very often. 6'9 and super, super athletic is not something Gonzaga has had a ton of in their past. But we've kind of talked about how more b- bigger players, more physical players is something the Zags need. Now, again, he's under 200 pounds, so he's probably going to need to bulk up a little bit. But a, a guy that I'm definitely keeping a close eye on. He has not made an announcement on when he's going to make his decision, but this is an opportunity for the Zags to significantly boost their 2022 recruiting class and change the outlook of next year's roster somewhat significantly if he were to commit. All right, last thing I want to talk about in this segment before we start talking about the baseball program. 
Steve Lavin is reportedly the new coach at the University of San Diego. Rothstein, John Rothstein tweeted that it was being finalized, that there were still some you know T's and I's to be dotted before it is official, but Lavin has posted on his Twitter account that he is the University of San Diego men's basketball head coach. That is in his Twitter bio right now. Many other sites have already made it appear to be finalized, so I think this is a done deal. I think this has happened. Lavin, for for most of you, if you recognize his name, it is as a broadcaster. He's been a broadcaster for the last decade for Fox, for CBS. He's done some Pac-12 games. He's done a lot of he's done a lot of Gonzaga games. We've heard his voice a ton. He is very familiar with this team and a lot of the teams on the West Coast because of his experience as a broadcaster. Beyond that, he's also a pretty dang good coach. In his history, he was the head coach at UCLA, pretty prominent program. He took over there as the head coach in 1996 and was there until 2003. He made six NCAA tournaments, uh, but he didn't have a ton of success in the tournament. He only made one Elite Eight during that run after a bummer season in 02-03. He was canned. Uh, But while he was at UCLA, he coached some very, very talented players. Baron Davis, probably the most notable of the group, a very, very good NBA player, one of the most athletic highlight real type players I've ever seen. He also coached Earl Watson. He coached Matt Barnes. He coached Jason Capono. And then after his run at UCLA, which again was successful, but not quite up to UCLA's standard, kind of helped push them. They were very good in the early 90s. Obviously, you know, mid-90s were excellent, and then they kind of fell down a little bit. Again, still six tournament berths uh, in his seven years as the coach there. Uh, But then he had a little gap. He was doing some broadcasting at that time, and then he took back over as the head coach of St. John's in the Big East. He was there from 2010 to 2015, two NCAA tournament appearances during that five-year stretch coached Mo Harkless, who is a name that will be familiar to NBA fans and certainly Portland Trailblazers fans as he played there for a couple of years. Uh, Lavin played college basketball in California. He played at San Francisco State, uh, so he's a West Coast guy. He obviously did a lot of his coaching on the West Coast in California as well, has called a lot of Pac-12 games, so it's not surprising he would find himself a way to, to get back into the coaching world by staying on the West Coast. This is something that WCC has done a lot of, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, and I'm sure I will talk about it some more, because my belief is that the conference, many of the conference member schools, the ones who are not Gonzaga and St. Mary's and until this year, BYU, should be, in my mind, and I'm not an expert here for any stretch of the imagination, but finding coaches who are young, who are hungry, who want to advance, that's where we've seen success. Todd Golden, Kyle Smith, both at University of San Francisco, they had success at USF and then moved on. Kyle Smith, of course, moved on to Washington State, where he's having a lot of success over there. Todd Golden just last month took a job at Florida. You look at Shantae Leggins. Uh, it's only been one season, and so it's very hard to make sweeping generalizations about that hire, but it sure seems to be going better than when they hired Terry Porter, who didn't have necessarily those aspirations to go get bigger coaching jobs within the college basketball ranks. I don't know. Maybe he did, but my my expectation, my guess, based on who he was, what other jobs he had, was that he just wanted to coach in Portland and kind of be in the Portland basketball scene. Now, when you hire coaches who have those aspirations, you see more success, but those coaches don't last very long. Todd Golden did not last very long at USF. Kyle Smith before him didn't last very long. Shantae Leggins, if he continues to have this level of success, 
probably won't last all that long. That's just how this thing works. But when you hire kind of, and I don't want to insult Steve Lavin. He's a good basketball coach. I think he's a better basketball coach than Lorenzo Romar, who is the the other big example of this in the conference of hiring a coach who has had bigger jobs, has had power five level head coaching positions, but is kind of a little bit past their prime perhaps, uh, is kind of more looking for a sunset job, just something nice that they can do where there's a little bit less pressure uh, and they're not you know, scrutinized in the Power 5 way and they're in some pretty area that they like. And that's kind of what Romar is doing at Pepperdine. And I'm not discrediting the job he's done at Pepperdine. They were not good this past season because they lost Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards and a lot of talent from that roster. But they had three freshmen who made all freshman team in the conference and have the ability to continue to get better. But I wonder if hiring a coach like that is more to appease boosters and to potentially generate a little bit more interest in the program rather than actually trying to, you know, make some significant strides in terms of winning basketball games. Because the coaches that have won in this conference that aren't at the big schools are the young, hungry ones that people hadn't heard of until they won games and then they became popular names. The coaches like Romar, like Lavin, they're not the ones who have really turned these programs around. Now, if I'm wrong and USD ends up being a top three, top five team in the conference because of Lavin, then I, I will be very happy. I like Steve Lavin. I think he's going to be a good coach. I think he's going to do some good things over there. I would just prefer to see the conference trying out these kind of young, hungry coaches who it makes you a bit like a like a farm, like a minor league system for, for head coaches, which I know is not super fun and not how we want to perceive the WCC. But I prefer it because I think it helps these teams actually grow. It's just hard when you lose that coach, you have to keep trying to guess right. And if you get it wrong, eventually your program can kind of return to irrelevancy. But as we've seen with some of these older, you know, pre like retread coaches, that hasn't necessarily worked either. All right. Two segments down. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're talking baseball. The Gonzaga baseball team had another nice weekend over the weekend. They are now heading into a big series against the Dons of San Francisco. Before we get there, though, let's talk about bet online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas, while the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week. That does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're talking Gonzaga baseball. The biggest news, we are starting to get projections for how the field is going to play out for the tournament, for the championship in college baseball right now. The latest projections as of Thursday morning when I am recording this, the Zags are listed as a 12 seed, which would have them hosting a regional. This is a big deal. The Zags did not host a regional last year. They came very close the day that the the bracket was revealed, the Zags were still in the mix potentially to host a regional, but unfortunately they fell just short of being able to do that. Now there's a lot of season left. 
This is for by no means locked up by any stretch of the imagination for the Zags. But right now, they are trending towards getting to host a regional. And I hope that the Patterson Baseball Complex in Spokane is packed if that happens, because that is a very, very cool opportunity, the ability to host a regional, uh, just proof of the the job that Coach Metcalf has done for the baseball program. Obviously, they've been good for a while now, but to be this good, to be hosting a regional good, is another step forward for this program. Currently, they are 19-7 and seven on the season. They took two of three from the waves of Pepperdine. Again, Pepperdine was number two in the conference, was only one game behind the Zags in the standings. So taking two out of three is huge. They lost on Friday, seven to five, a matchup of the two best pitchers uh, in the tournament or in the, in the weekend series, excuse me. Uh, Then they won seven to two and seven to four to take the series. Uh, Really, really nice for them to bounce back and get those two wins. Now they have a bit more of a comfortable lead in conference play. They also played on Tuesday at home against Washington state, the opportunity to host the Cougars in Spokane, and they blew the doors right off them. I've talked about Tuesday baseball games on this podcast a handful of times. They're a bit more of a crapshoot. Teams are starting, are playing starters who are not usually their weekend starters. They often play some of their bench guys. So you don't want to take the results entirely out. They obviously still matter at the end of the day. Your record is your record, and Tuesday games don't count less or more. Uh, But I think that they are sometimes a bit of an anomaly. But still a huge hats off to the Zags. 12 to nothing was the score against Washington State on Tuesday. Rando and McGee both homered in the first inning. This thing was out the shoots bad for the Cougars. They gave up a bunch of runs right out of the gate. Never recovered. Never even scored a single run thanks to a great outing from Brad Mullen. He threw four and a 4.1 shutout innings. He had five strikeouts. Jacob Rutherford came in through two and two-thirds after that. He was the one who was credited with the victory because the way that scoring works in baseball is if you don't throw five innings, you don't get a victory. It's a bit of an outdated rule. Uh, something I could talk about much more at length for people who are interested in it. Uh, ultimately, wins are kind of a meaningless stat for pitchers anyway. But shout out to both Mullen and Rutherford for combining for seven really, really strong innings against the Cougars. Next up for the Zags, they got San Francisco in San Francisco this weekend. The Dons have historically been one of the better programs in the WCC. Bradley and Kyle Zimmer brothers were both there, both in the major leagues right now, having successful careers. However, they're not at that level right now. 16 and 16 on the year, just five and four in conference play. They just took two out of three from San Diego in a recent series, which is good. The the Toreros are usually a good program as well. Uh, They played San Jose State on Tuesday, lost to them. Uh, They just haven't had a lot of consistency, particularly on the bump. They're not a great pitching team. Their best pitcher far and away is their closer, and he's having a great year, but their starting pitching in particular has been spotty. We've seen six or seven guys start games for them this year. They haven't quite found that consistency, which should give the Zags a good opportunity to put some runs on the board, to score a lot of runs. They did well against Pepperdine, a very good pitching team for them to score seven runs in two of the last three games, and they scored five in the first game. That's a lot of runs against a good team. If they swing the sticks that well against a worse pitching team in San Francisco, we could be talking about three straight games with double-digit runs on the board. That should be three victories the way that the Zags have been pitching. If they're scoring 10 runs in a game, there's virtually no way that they are losing for San Francisco. The biggest concern is Luke Keyshaw. He's their best hitter. He's hitting 322 on the year, 10 doubles and four home runs. But frankly, that's about it. 
Then they got one other guy who's hitting over 250, and he's hitting 255. The rest of their team is hitting under 250 on the season. I think the Zags pitching staff should take care of business here. Hughes, Reeling, they're going to have Owen Wilde. They're all going to have good starts. I think this is a good opportunity for the Zags to tack three more victories onto their schedule. They'd be 22-7 and seven after that. Much, much more comfortable spot in terms of wanting to host a regional. Uh, they don't have a Tuesday game this week like they normally do, but next week they are starting a series against the Pilots of Portland at home at Patterson Baseball Complex. UP has been growing as a program. I just went to one of their games very recently in Hillsboro at the Hop Stadium against Oregon State. They lost, but Oregon State is extremely good, so hard to take too much out of that. But I think that should be a very fun series for the Zags as well. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Closing out the week with another season in review episode on Friday. Don't miss out right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and soon to be, or excuse me, available currently on YouTube. All right, thank you again to those of you who made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With college basketball season wrapping up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!